Sales. Welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast. Today we are talking about the industry status quo in the automotive industry. So car OEMs, uh, dealers, Chinese versus European manufacturers. So a lot of stuff is uh, going on and uh, you haven't been yet on the show. So please introduce yourself uh, and tell us uh, why you are so capable uh, about those industries. Hey, Alex. Yeah, happy to be with you today. And um, yeah, shortly from my side, um, I'm Niels Ratzak, uh, actually originally from Germany, but based currently in Sao Paulo. This is a long story, but we are coming to that point as well. Um, I started actually after a short uh, career approach in sports. I um, did my apprenticeship in uh, engineering in Germany. And afterwards, I um, studied in um, normal, actually, business administration in uh, Germany and the United States. And then after a little bit in consulting, I joined um, the automotive um, uh, manufacturer, one of the biggest, the Volkswagen Group. And I was with them almost 12 years. Latest, I was the CIO, CDO um, of the brand Audi in Latin America, especially in Brazil, and had some function as well in the region Americas. So maybe that is... Why I may be capable to talk to you today, Alex? Yeah, when when I when I read about the Volkswagen uh, Group, um, usually they are sharing that the Chinese market is one of the most important market for them from a growth perspective. And as you as you worked in the South American market, so can you share the importance of the this market? So is this kind of is like Brazil the market to be, or is like is Chile number one? Uh, Chile's number one uh, premium brand. Is this audio? Is it, are there some secrets in this markets you'd like to share with us? Yeah, there are some secrets. Maybe <laughs> let's uh, let's talk a bit, little bit, little bit about uh, Volkswagen in general, or about as well China in general. I think China is really a growing market, um, as everybody knows, in different industries, and especially as well in automotive. Uh, I think China has right now nine automotive groups and they're getting bigger and bigger and more innovative and more innovative um, and that swaps as well to the different locations and I think Latin America especially Brazil it's first of all it's a super big country um, so you can travel actually from north to south I think seven hours flight so you can imagine how big the country is it's uh, almost 200 million people in um, living in in Brazil and for example Sao Paulo where I'm located right now um, that is I think it's 12%. I think that was the last report. 12% of the global GDP is uh, uh, leveraged in Sao Paulo only. So you can see that it's a super, super big market. And uh, this is why as well Audi stepped in. Um, I think that was in the beginning of the 2000s with the local production. Then they closed again. And then afterwards in 2014, 15, 16, they uh, started again a production in Brazil. So it's actually a really strategic uh, positioning of the brand in this area as well. So in competition for sure with the other premium brands like BMW and, and Mercedes. And we can see right now as well, a little bit coming the new um, um, the new kids from the block, say like that, like Tesla. Um, and they're coming right now into the market, but really was really, really low volume. So especially I think it's a strategic approach to be in Brazil. What what is the electric electric uh, car market share in the Brazilian in the Brazilian market? Wow, that is a good question. Um, I do not have the numbers right now in mind, but it is not too big. It's growing steadily, um, really really steep actually. But still, we are we are not really selling that much uh, vehicles. I think at Audi, um, the last year or the year before, it was I think one hundred forty wanted to raise to four hundred maybe. So. 
So you can see it's it's not, and it's for the whole country. Yeah, one hundred forty thousand cars. No, 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 one hundred forty. One hundred forty. Yes, yes. It is okay. That is not really enough. not much. It is really not much. So, um, and as well, Teslas. I think really it's. It's up to to ten vehicles running the roads right now because for sure if you do not have that much um, maintenance services where you can service the vehicle you can import the vehicles by yourself for example that do some some rich people maybe but um, you can see uh, you you don't see a Tesla's here running on the roads not at all okay. interesting okay let's maybe uh, let's maybe structure uh, structure uh, structure the podcast like uh, um, uh, vertical by vertical let's maybe focus first on um, the new uh, tension between or like the the most recent tension between dealers and um, OEMs so we have seen a lot of tension in the European markets I guess it's more or less the same in in the markets um, um, outside of Europe it's not a Volkswagen um, thing like every OEM has this issue they want no I don't I think it's wrong to say they want to get rid of the dealers but in the future, it's hard to explain the dealer value uh, in a, uh, for the customer journey by buying a car, right? So, and, and you've been working in this industry now for so many years. What is your Volkswagen neutral view on this question? <laughs> Maybe it's more a Neil's view on that question because I think even in Volkswagen, we have different opinions and it is good so, okay, that you have different opinions and you can leverage these opinions to a different stage and improve the relationship with the dealers and even the actions or the process within the dealership. My point of view of the dealer is actually that they are super important. So there are and still will be the right hand of the OEMs or on the manufacturers um, because they are setting the vehicles and they having the access to the customer that actually Volkswagen or generally as well, the traditional players, they missed the connection to the customer. Okay. So I think that is one of the most important points. So why? Because they have the access, the retail dealer network has the access to the customer. It is super important to really have a super good relationship to the dealerships. Nevertheless, <laughs> I think, and that is really my opinion, um, that the dealerships will have to reinvent themselves okay so they will not maintain on the status quo that they are currently or in the past just selling vehicles and servicing the vehicles um the selling of the vehicles i think maybe we come to that point afterwards as well in terms of maybe talking about commerce as well but the selling of the vehicles that is not the biggest biggest transaction or the richest in, in transaction that they can have in the dealership the most important point is the servicing of the vehicle And that was ever since like this, okay? So if you sell a vehicle, there's one transaction, but then afterwards servicing the vehicles, that will maintain really important. Well, but what, like uh, for like a standard like car OEM where cars would cost like 30K dollars um, uh, for, for a new car of 40K dollars, what was the um, revenue or was the profit for a dealer selling this car? And what was the yearly man maintenance income for a dealer servicing this car? Uh, that is as well a tough question, Alex, and I do not know whether, oh, I maybe I cannot say right now the margins of each of the vehicle sales actually of it because it depends on the vehicle itself. So at Volkswagen, that is definitely definitely dif different than, for example, Audi. And even at Audi, if you sell an A3, it's different like R8. Okay, so the somehow commissions that they received or the margins that they received, they are different from vehicle to vehicle, if it's public vehicle or premium vehicle or luxury vehicle. So, but in general, I can see that 
I do not know why, right now in percentage right now um, these numbers, but if you sell a vehicle and you maintain this in your relationship with the customer in your specific dealership, it will last four years um, that they will come or have to come back in terms of extended guarantee or guarantee or warranty topics. And that is here in Brazil, for example, four years. And then afterwards, they have can go to an independent workshop, for example. So it depends as well highly on how they service the vehicle and how good the quality of the servicing is that they, after the four years, coming back as well. And there are super much vehicles currently on the road. They are more than four years. So it depends highly on the customer satisfaction of the dealer services. Yeah. But... but um. We are seeing now car OEMs uh, like Volvo starting uh, new brands like Polestar with the specific goal of having this um, direct-to-consumer connection. So they want to own yep. the customer journey. They want to own the customer data. They want to sell upgrades via uh, over-the-air uh, um, software updates, for example. Um, and so that is like one solution Volvo found for uh, for this kind of dilemma. Uh, uh, what you have just described, yes, uh, until now, the OEMs did not have any um, information about the, cust uh, the customers. It was a dealer-driven business. And now we have Polestar. We have we might see like other brands. Tesla obviously uh, um, started as a direct-to-consumer um, brand. So um, if you were sitting like uh, on, the, on the decision desk of like a big dealer or dealer network, And would think about like the dealer of the future. So what would it look like? Will they still sell the cars and own the relationship, regardless if it's like Volkswagen, BMW, uh, uh, General Motors? Or would you recommend moving in a different direction? Yeah. <clears throat> so this question should be really easy. <laughs> I think the selling of the vehicle, as I said before already, that would be not my main driver to really be a dealer. Okay. So right now I really have to take the view of the dealer because even though I worked so much time in the manufacturing area, but I have super much context in the past with the dealers itself. So I would not sell vehicles. I would rather go to direct-to-consumer or DTC approach or direct sales or agency model as everybody is calling it today. And um, I receive the commissions of each of the sales because this is the interaction I need with the OEM still as a dealer. Okay, so I receive then my whatever, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent. Okay, and I put this in my pocket and all the risks in terms of capital costs and all that stuff in terms of supply chain, of uh, availability of the vehicle, of as well configuring the vehicle, all these things that I can do in the journey of the customer journey or customer experience is then for the OEM. And I do not have to take care about that. Okay. Then I have on the dealer side, the digital showroom. So this is as well. OEM will put these topics maybe with a co-financing within the dealership that the customer uh, experience should be looking really great in the dealership as well. And flow is really digital and automate, automize all these processes, no paperwork anymore. And this is what I would like on the selling position, position of the vehicle, I would put uh, as a priority for me as a dealer. And then I will focus really on the servicing and really make this service as simple as possible to get the best um, customer satisfaction, the best retention of the, uh, of the, of the customer as well. 
uh, so service re- retention actually to um to 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 the to the customer so this would i think would fit really really well and then i need on the third step as well look on different revenue streams and different value streams within the deal as well and we can talk about that as well but when when what i'm seeing in the market if i if i follow um, the press releases of some dealer association uh and again not specifically about the volkswagen could be like other associations too they tend to have a hard time accepting the new reality they have a, they are fighting hard to protect the one time uh a premium of selling a car they said that's our business please don't take it uh away um and therefore are putting the OEM, which is now competing with uh, the new Chinese brands, we're going to talk in a minute, with Tesla and others, they are putting them in a tough spot because without having access to the customer information, uh, without offering this over-the-air updates, all this other, other all new stuff that's kind of coming in the market um, for, for a consumer, this doesn't make sense to choose this, uh, this car OEM. So 99% of the dealers... I know of they are not accepting the new reality so far. Is this correct? This is correct, and it depends in which um, in which city, in which country, in which region you live in. Okay, so let's have a glimpse on a global perspective on this question, uh, Alex. I think in Germany, um, so I'm originally from Germany, and I know how Germans think. Uh, every time looking more on the problems. Instead of um, yeah, being a little bit more innovative or just taking a little bit more risks, that is not really um, the region of a German uh, character. Yeah, and then it comes up to uh, IT security issues, data protection regulations, and all that stuff. So these are the problems that are occurring and is preventing actually to drive innovation. And that's maybe why I'm not returning to Germany. Oh, okay. So that is yeah, that is the first one. So. And the second one is pretty similar. The United States, for example, was in January, almost um, three weeks in, in the United States, traveling to one of my peers and customers. And that was really interesting as well, because there, um, the legislation as well is so tough and protect them so much, the dealer sites, that they do not need to change. So if they would like to change, and some not, they really, every time, looking on the legal constraints for the OEM. So that means to change their dealership behavior or um, initiate an innovative project like an agency model, um, it is really, really difficult. Nevertheless, coming to Brazil, we have the same legislations, but in this legislation, it's called Lei Ferrari, um, and there are some maybe um, a brand regulations as well with, between the manufacturer and the dealership. Mm. Here it says that it's not allowed to sell directly to customers from the OEM perspective. But at the end of the day, if you have the agreement of the association, you can. And we showed them in the past that this is a good way to go because either way in the future, the trend goes that the car sales are not important. It's more important to own the customer or, or, or vehicle life cycle. And this is, as you know, the transaction for sale is maybe one day, two days, three days, maybe a little bit awareness before and configuring before and then waiting for the vehicle, but then the service starts and that takes more time. So, And I think we convinced them. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, almost the whole portfolio was sold direct to consumer if if uh, applicable for the dealer. So it's a case-by-case or country-by-country. Exactly. Uh, but as, as you're talking about like innovative new approaches, um, uh, the 
the one country everybody's talking about is obviously China. So we are seeing, especially with BYD, uh, a new manufacturer, obviously way ahead when it comes to battery technology, software uh, um, capabilities. And they are now starting selling cars even in, in the German market. I think six said they'd like to get over 100,000 cars over the next 10 years. So more or less one or 2% of their whole fleet uh, um, um, uh yeah, offered by BYD as a new brand, which is like a, which is a inf very interesting case. So if Sixth is convinced by the quality of those cars, that is definitely a warning sign for German o OEMs. Um, so you have been in this industry longer. I'm, I'm just waiting for NIO or, uh, Etrin or, uh, or BYD entering the market so I can test drive those cars. Are they really so much more innovative or is it like the, kind of this phantom discussion 10 years ago when the first Chinese car manufacturers tried to enter the European market or the US, US market and and they all failed miserably. Yeah, that is, uh, that is again a tougher question. Um, I think there are some approaches from some of the brands or from the groups, for example, Geely. Um, I like the brand, uh, the group, um, because they have brands incorporated, for example, as you said before, uh, Alex Volvo and Polestar, for example, and they have one innovative brand. This it's called Link and Co. And uh, if you look on the side of Link and Co., for example, um, it is really really interesting how they position themselves. So as well, the approach what we talked before, digital retail, um, they have a totally different retail model. So um, it's not a dealership anymore. Almost no cars in the showroom. Um, more driven by experience. Um, almost a, a co-working space actually. Um, and you attach the customer and the younger generation to such a vehicle as well. And um, and they have a slogan. Uh, just need a, to just look it up shortly. But um, I, I thought it was really really um, really good. And it's called uh, "Leave the Ownership Behind." Okay. So um, so I repeat it again: Leave the ownership behind. Um, so it's really like don't do not own a car anymore. Just use it. And uh, I think that is interesting um, approach overall. And everybody knows subscription is a, a um, is a really huge topic um, in automotive as well right now. Um, that you can really um, yeah provide mobility and not really selling vehicles. So and generally saying is why they are better than maybe the traditional ones because exactly of that because. Oh, Volkswagen is super, super old company, a company, so really traditional, really roots in, in the before Second World War. And right now, these companies are all youngs, youngsters, like 2014. I think Neo as well was founded 2014. Um, Lincoln Co., I think similar. Polestar is a new, new, um, venture for, for, from Volvo. So. You can see that these younger companies, they do not have this attitude or this mindset in terms of, yeah, being so much product, product centric and not customer centric. I think that is the most important point. They're looking more of operation excellence and not value generating. So these, I think the points are the difference between those new brands and the traditional OEMs, like, for example, the German ones. Okay. I got it. But this Link and Co. I just I'm just on the website, so they're trying to sell me um a subscription. Um so it, it's really kind of this Netflix thing. It's here in, in Germany, it's five hundred and fifty euros a month. Uh I can give it back whenever uh um I want. It's in, in including two one thousand two hundred kilometers. So it's it's definitely uh um an, an interesting uh model. And it, it's obviously it's a battery um driven car. So so you would say or you would agree that 
some of those Chinese new brands entering the new markets definitely do have a, a very innovative uh, go-to-market approach, but still needs to be uh, proven if BYD or um, or other other brands can really, really convince the European customers, which was not possible the last 20, 30 years, especially not in the German market. Yes, yes, I, I agree. I agree. But if you see only the numbers, Alex, I think that is overwhelming and as well terrifying for the Germans, okay, um, or as well for the Americans or for the Japanese. So the Chinese brands are really having really steep um, um, growth rates. Yeah, um, If you see, for example, Shangan Group, for example, with 2.3 million, I think that was 2021. Then we have 2 million from the, from the Geely Group. And there are, for example, I think it was BYD, for example, that have steep uh, uh, growth rates from 75%, I guess. So you can see the need is there and customers want to have exactly the excesses. And is this as well a topic of pricing? Yeah? The prices of these vehicles are drastically lower than, for example, an e-tron. Yeah? And, and you can see what's in the vehicle and how you really interact with the car. With the car. It's different as well. Okay, but... It's not only pricing is one issue, it's also the supply chain. Because if I would try to order an e-tron today or a new Mercedes E-Class or a BMW or even like a, a good um, a good uh, stuffed uh, Peugeot, I have to wait a year or so. If I now go to the Tesla website, especially if I focus on Tesla Model 3 or Model Y, which is are the mass market product, I can have it like in four four weeks. I thought the supply chain issue is is over all already. So, what makes it so hard to uh, provide cars? Yeah, that is. Uh, if I would have this answer, I think uh, me as an advisor right now, because that's what I am currently. So, I'm not working for Volkswagen anymore. So, advising companies right now in terms of business transformation. If I have this answer and have a fast solution in terms of um, getting rid of all of these supply chain bottlenecks. That will be really great. So, and the chip, I think, is only one topic. And um, so, the the uh, semiconductors, for example, I think that was only a one topic where it all started. But uh, then, when uh, the the war hits as well in 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 Russia and Ukraine, for example, we had, for example, um, from the Volkswagen Group, a plan for ah uh, for. The Kabelbaum, <laughs> I forgot the name right now in English, but a really important one apart from uh, from a from a vehicle um, that was located in Ukraine, and actually we needed to, um, um, yeah, needed a different option. But one, a wiring harness. It. I just exactly. looked it up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's it. And um, so this is this is this was a super big point as well, and. If you can see then, Alex, if you have then the semiconductors, then the wireless, uh, oh, yeah, the harness top, okay, and all these other parts that coming up then afterwards, it it screws up totally the supply chain. So you have to have really a more flexible one. And this is as well in terms of the traditional companies, um, and as as well on Volkswagen side, they um, they have a little bit different purchasing uh, then or or partnershiping uh, with the different brands and companies. Then, for example, Neo has. Mm. So, if you read, for example, only 2022, the the topics of Neo, um, what partnerships they have, it's it's amazing. So, as me, as really looking innovative to the to the future, this is really where it all comes together. And the pandemic shows this as well. That companies, Alex, needed to get a bit little bit closer together 
and um, yeah, verticalize actually their supply chain uh, chains. And this is, I think, um, the way to go. And this is from the traditional companies what I do not see that much. I have an example afterwards, maybe from Volkswagen as well, in terms of e-vehicles. Uh, I think really positive one, but it's not that much than the Chinese are doing, for example. And um, there, why you can as well receive maybe a new earlier than, for example, um, an Audi or a Porsche. Okay, let's hope that the supply chain issues are going to be solved like in 2023 um, because yeah. I, I don't think customers um, will accept waiting for a car like a year or two, um, especially yeah. the ones that have been uh, living through the times of uh, GDR <laughs> yeah. 20, yeah, well, 30, 40 years, uh, 40 years ago, where the waiting time was 12, 12 years. Okay, then um, sure. we have we have seen one um, innovative company here over the market, this BMW, trying to trying to move in the subscription market. I think that was what we were talking about in the e-commerce industry a lot of time. You know, you can sell subscriptions in the car. You can add car seat uh, heating now on a monthly basis or or by usage. So every time you're using seat heating for your for your seat, it's maybe it's like $0.1 or so. When they introduced it, and I don't, I don't think it, it was kind of a presentation where they thought, okay, that's how we think about adding new features in the car so we can produce fully equipped cars all the time, which makes production a bit cheaper, but you have to buy some of the features um, uh, via an app. There was a big outcry. So the market said, that's a stupid idea. If there's like car heating in a car, I don't want to subscribe to it uh, for $7 um, a month. So Uh, so, so for me, I I have like, I have a hard time to to uh, to to understand what the idea of BMW really was to present it in that way. On the other side, I see that's most likely one of the very few ways you can uh, um, uh, you can you can uh, sell on top of the selling price. If you're not in the script, not in a subscription business like Link or maybe Neo or Polestar is getting into. That's a smart way to sell more. What's your view on this? Yeah, <clears throat> here as well, uh, Alex, um, some perspectives. Yeah, uh, first of all, we talked about direct sales. Um, here applies as well. <clears throat> first of all, it was um, at at Volkswagen we we um, called it function on demand. Um, exactly what you're saying. What BMW launched as well. So it was already, I think, in the discussions seven, eight years ago. So it's not really a new topic, okay? The problem was, or is still, how to integrate that best in the vehicles. So connected services in general is a is a yeah very intensive uh, discussed topic in in Volkswagen Group as well, in general as well, at Mercedes and BMW, and I know uh, I I know as well. So um, coming back, so. The functional demand in general, I think it's a super, super good approach because you have some topics um, in the car that you maybe never use or only in a specific time frame, for example, winter, summer, that's the easiest one, what you said, with a heat seater, um, a seat heater. So that is, I think, really good. And you can book it um, additionally um, if you need it for maybe a day, week, month, or whatever. Um, coming back to the direct sales model, so these ones... What you purchase after the purchase of the vehicle at the dealership, it goes in the pockets of the OEM that was every time set. So that means if the dealer is not selling the optional within the, the purchase of the vehicle itself, the rest goes to the OEM. So that was actually an approach from the OEM 
to get a little bit as well margin on digital products or digital services. Okay. Um, cannot talk about the targets itself in general, for example, at Audi, but this, with this, what I can say is that that was, um, an amount of margin that we wanted to have at Audi for digital services and digital products. Um, so that is the first thing. But in general, Alex, and that is maybe to conclude this, it's a tough, um, a tough task or tough action because it's not only digitalization here. Because it combines a lot of departments within our areas within the OEM. It's engineering, it's supply chain management, it's production, it's uh, logistics. Because, but why get it so complex? Because the point here is that the car needs to be man manufactured, completely equipped, equipped, and the total cost of ownership or the 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 the, the cost itself of the vehicle needs to be amortized by these digital service and products and this is only possible in my opinion if you can scale it effectively so uh, because then the production has less um what i said less var variations okay you can produce leaner and it's only changing maybe the the wheels the color of the vehicle and the interior maybe but in terms of optional you equip it fully so it makes maybe the production leaner and more effective or more efficient. But at the end of the day, that business out of the functional demand um, uh, uh, margins needs to be really high and you have to scale it pro uh, 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 accordingly uh, to really have really a super good yeah, new feature that everybody wants to have. But And this is depending then again as well on the customer. Um, the feedback was really bad. My opinion, I think it's really, really good if really applied properly. And last thing here, Alex, it's comparable maybe a little bit with Apple again, okay? The automotive industry every time compares itself as well with Apple, and especially as well Volkswagen did. Um, and that was the same thing that Apple did with the charges, okay? They get rid of the charges, and then you can buy the chargers on top of it, okay, afterwards, okay? And they make a billion uh, uh, business out of it, only of this action that they took. The people were... Let me, uh, sorry if you say that, but we're pissed off. But at the end of the day, it's, it's working, still working, and revenues are getting uh, skyrocketing as well again for, for Apple. So you can see, um, it's not a really easy question to answer, and it depends really as well again on the regions maybe. And uh, let, let us see how that will work out. But in general, connected services, it's a really, really high-discussed topic within the group currently. Okay, and still will. Okay, maybe let's skip the the connected services. Let because there's like one other um, mm -hmm. war area in the car, I would say, which is the car display. So some of the even like the German premium vendors do have a hard time to catch up with Apple and Google when it comes to um, simple um, applications. So um, even some of the uh, dealers say. Um, Please use Google Maps because it's always up to date, and you can use it with um, CarPlay uh, um, or uh, or um, or Android Auto, which is actually in some cars a very hard hard time uh, to connect it. So I had uh, one rental car a couple of months ago, which was an Audi Q7, so most likely one of the most uh, premium cars Audi is offering, but. 
connecting it, connecting it with uh, Android Auto uh, in in a reliable way, I, tell, I have to tell you that was a very very tough thing to do. So I, eventually, I gave it up. I used my the, the mobile display. But again, the question came up for me, and we had it in the car. So who will own the car display in the future? So obviously, Google Maps navigation is a very important part. Um, then in the future of like uh, um, electrified cars, it's also like finding charging stations where you need a very, very up-to-date network because you want to know if the charging station is uh, is available, if there's like other cars, you have to wait, whatever. So it's, it's, it's it, it, there's like more and more... Um, real-time information uh, needed in the car display. You don't want to listen to radio anymore. You want to have your own Spotify list. Then you want to have the same same experience like in the Spotify app on your phone and not like a shitty experience on an old display. So, um, and some some car OEMs actually gave up. They said, okay, we cannot, we, we are not able to catch up with the innovation uh, we are seeing at Google and Apple. Uh, Polestar is an example. Polestar said, "Okay, it's Android Auto first. That's actually the that's actually the the operating system of uh, of the future." Um, on the other end, I would say yes. I think it's most likely a fair a fair assessment, but like the end game is definitely ownership over the display because you can sell stuff and then if you want to sell stuff and you want to earn some money you you need to own it so what's your view here yeah <clears throat> yeah um we finally see you with connected services in the first speech so it continues here because this is i think a really important point as well so infotainment and connected services are separate things yes we know but at the end of the day um they are somehow combined with each other so um, if you, for example, have a service that you would like to put on the infotainment, so it appears in your infotainment uh, within the car and not on your on your iPhone uh, or on your Android phone, um, then you um, need information from the vehicle itself. For example, yeah, find me the next charging charging station. Okay, I need a geolocation. I can pull it out from my iPhone or from my Android phone. Yes, I can, but I can use as well some specifics from the vehicle itself. Okay, to be a little bit more specified or maybe interaction with the vehicle or something happened um, or um, something from the vehicle itself is not running well and it needs to find the next station or the next workshop or even the next charger. So um, this interference is really complicated and really complex and as well in terms of the Volkswagen Group, for example, uh, as well divided in different areas and that's where why it's maybe not the best um, yeah, service currently, but it's I can I can say it because I'm living it right now. It's on full throttle to really improve this experience um, from the customer itself. Coming to your questions, Alex, who is owning actually the display? Um, I think, and this is my point of view, should be owned by the OEM still. Why? Because this is as well, like the dealership, the interaction to your customer and the best one that you can have within the car. Okay. If it's the infotainment or the the, the mobile phone, um, this is a question I think uh, I ask as well several times within the Volkswagen Group. Okay, what is more important, the infotainment or the iPhone uh, or the Android phone? Uh, this is I think um, important because the the mobile phone is still currently every time with you. Okay, if you do not have a mobile phone with you, you're feeling naked, right? Um, the infotainment is statically within the vehicle, so. Um, how maybe to use this, okay? And 
There is my opinion, okay, it's more maybe the mobile phone and then connecting really smartly, no, with your experience with the Q7, really smartly to the infotainment and it's mirroring all the service that you already have on your mobile phone. That gave the customer, I think, my opinion, the best um, customer experience, the best convenience. Okay, right now, coming up to how does a car of the future is looking like and you're looking, for example, autonomous driving, or myself, for example, I'm driving almost uh, every time with the Uber here in Sao Paulo. I'm sitting on the back seat, okay? And uh, that is a point as well. How then in the future should this look like? And the OEM needs to have this in, in mind, not looking only on the present side, uh, the, the customer is driving the vehicle. No, looking at the, as well in the future, maybe it will be really only a capsule that you get in and you get out. And what do you have with you is, again, only the mobile phone and not the vehicle itself. So this is a really tough question exactly because of the innovative trends that are coming up and how the automotive industry is putting the car to the front and not really the convenience or the, the customer experience. I think this is uh, where people need to a little bit focus on right now. If you were asking uh, um, an average Brazilian car owner uh, about like what is his like his dream car is like are German cars still coming up top of the list or is it already uh, cars from other countries US China and there are now more coming? Yeah, in Brazil, I think because we do not have that many electric vehicles yet, and not the new brands like even the Tesla, for example. Uh, they're starting right now, I guess, and uh, BYD is coming. Then uh, Great Wall Motors is coming with electric vehicles right now. NIO is not existing, for example. So um, these, I think, still the traditional ones are really top of mind. And you can see as well the Brazilians are, um, I love them, um, but they are as well a little bit status-driven, okay, that what we had in the past as well in Germany. I think it's changing a little bit. But uh, they are status-driven, and for sure, people are looking on the premium segment like Audi, Mercedes, BMW, even as well the Volvo is really, really good in shape here in Brazil, um, or even a Porsche or a Bugatti Ferrari. So Ferrari was, I think, 2006. Uh, in, in, I think in South uh, Brazil was the biggest volume of sales within the global world after Modena in Italia. So, uh, Italy. So you can see. So Brazilians are really picky in terms of uh, good, good vehicles and premium and luxury vehicles. Yeah, very nice. So uh, we need to do like an update when the Chinese brands are uh, eventually uh, breaking yes. into the German market, uh, which will happen in 2023. So uh, let, let's see what's gonna what, what's gonna happen there. So electrification in the Brazilian market is like lagging behind a couple of years. So no, uh, no danger, no danger there. Um, on the on the connectivity of um, Android Auto and uh, Apple CarPlay, uh, we definitely have to we have to talk again. So I'm not happy what from what I've seen so far in a different car uh, OEMs. And um, happy to see you soon in Berlin. 